Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Hey, everybody. Mark here. And before we jump into today's episode, I just want to say thank you to those that came out to our online in-person hangout. We had a little barbecue after the 1030 service at Menlo Park. And it was an amazing time for us to get together and hang out as an online community. We're going to be trying to do these maybe about once a month or so during the summer. And you can be on the lookout for your invitation. Consider you invited already. And just the details are on the way. So you can find those either here on the podcast or in the YouTube intros and outros for our Sunday services. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for giving as well. We cannot do this podcast without your continued generosity. And if you want to get more involved with the things that we do here at Menlo Church, please text us 650-600-0402, and we would love to get you on the team. So without further ado, here is the Menlo Midweek Podcast. Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, everybody. My name is Mark. My name is Jessica. We have two guests with us today. We'll introduce Phil first because everyone's used Phil to Phil being just here. Just Phil. Just hey, Phil's it's here. Not just Phil. It's not just Phil today, but I'm just Phil. Yeah. It's Phil first. Phil, no, stop. Oh. <laughs> just Phil. And also our amazing VIP. guest host, Rochelle Summers, Ooh, is let's here. That's me. Thank you. You're back. I'm back, guys. How's it feel? I uh, feel to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it feels good. I was saying a little while ago that I think I drank half a pot of coffee already this morning, so I'm a little bit like. Okay. Um, you know, excited, excited and ready to be here. Super excited. Is this your first one with cameras? Yes. Yeah, that's first that one changes with cameras. Things. Yep. So yeah. That'll be your lens right there, just talking to that one. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's going on our socials right if there. If you don't know that, everybody, this is also available now on YouTube. Yeah, it, it is. is. Thanks, buddy. If you want to watch us. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to watch us. It's fun. Yeah. It's great. It's Some people fun. do. I, I love like, it. I like watching podcasts. I don't know if. I'm a minority there, but there are, they are out there. Yeah, absolutely. They got a lot of views. Yeah. But for all the gestures. Yeah. All yeah. the gestures. Sometimes like when people are talking about things and they have things pop up on the screen or mm-hmm. illustrations, like that's where we're headed. Yeah. Once we have some more awesome volunteers come alongside us and be able Ooh. to get other people in this room to help out, Plug. which would be great. If somebody was like, mm-hmm. I love doing that stuff. How can I volunteer, Mark? What yep. should they do? Uh, text me and our team at 650-600-04. That's the earliest we've, I didn't, 0402. I guess yeah, I didn't the phone number. Yeah, all 10 digits. <laughs> yep. That is the earliest we've ever plugged something. Yeah. We just got to jump up right off yep. the bat. Because maybe by the end, people stopped listening because yep. we got really, yep. we yep. got so good that they're That's like, true. I can't listen anymore. I also email you at mmoranishi at menlo.church. That's right. Church, right? And you get triple points if you spelled it right the first time. Yeah. yeah. It's phonetic. You can figure it out. It is phonetic. It yeah. bothers me when people don't spell your name right. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure it bothers you too. Yeah. Learn okay. Learned to me. It is. It's it very phonetic. That's very helpful, actually. Yeah. All Never Japanese thought. last names are phonetic. Interesting. Fun fact. Look at that. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to remember that for trivia one day. Yeah. yeah that'll be good. <laughs> when that comes up. Well, we need to start by acknowledging the sponsor of this podcast. And since we have two Menlo Parkians here, three actually, any good restaurants that have just opened recently, coffee shops or anything that we would like to shout out slash invite them to sponsor uh, us? Canteen. Is that a oh, place? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's a fun yeah, yeah. vibe. I was there, the coffee shop of Canteen. I was there 
couple weeks ago for a little bit, and it was lovely and uh, had kind of a its own vibe. Okay. It was cool. So pretty much on par. Just prepare to spend about eight dollars for a normal cup of coffee. That's mm. uh, mm-hmm. that is the Menlo Park experience. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was it was good. Okay. Great I was going to say canteen. that whole new area is called mm-hmm. Springline. Springline. Um, on El okay. Camino and Oak Grove, right across the street from me. It's wonderful. They're opening up a bunch of new places. Yeah. So they've got Super Canteen, nice. the coffee shop. They also have a bar, Canteen. Oh, nice. Um, uh. They opened a place. Oh, I'm blanking on the name right now. It's like a mini grocery store that they do like proper foods. That's what it's oh, called. Nice. Cool. Um, there's like a Whole new foods, coffee. Proper foods. Yeah, I guess. Mm, one tier up. <laughs> yeah, they'll have one called performative foods. Right it's not $8 that. lettuce. It's 12 Yeah, exactly. But there's that another, such a good life, so good. Yeah, there's such another a... coffee shop coming in there called Andy Town, which is supposedly yeah. this like... Yeah, I heard about this. Uh, the one and only Adam Hendricks. It's his favorite coffee oh, place man. in San Francisco. Friend there's a guy. bunch of stuff opening yeah. there. So, Springline. Okay. In a dog park. That's amazing. And you can come see me and my dog. Excellent. Fun. I'll drop Toby off. <laughs> and may or may forever. not pick him up yeah, forever. I'll drop him off forever. How's Loki doing? Oh, oh. We always talk about Loki. Uh, he's fine. I haven't been walking him as much okay. just because um, of my schedule. So he's been playing in the backyard. Mm. He's getting a little chubby because we haven't been yes, walking. <laughs> For those uh, new listeners, yes. who's Loki? Uh, Loki is our three-year-old Great Dane. Uh, I want to say he's probably one fifty now, one hundred fifty pounds. Giant. He's dog. a big dog. Uh, very wow. lovable. Very cuddly, very but also very slobbery. I think because you have a tiny little dog, right? You guys Phil? should switch for a week. Well, that would, yeah. Or I was going to say they should hang out and just see what happens. Uh, I think I, I think uh, Toby might die. Uh, Toby is a West Island Terrier. Uh, he's maybe 20 pounds. I don't know. He's fine. He's a good dog. I just didn't want a dog. I like dogs. I mm-hmm. just don't. I didn't want any more dependence, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. So uh, we all talked about it. Alyssa wanted a dog. I didn't want a dog. Hmm. We have a dog. So. <laughs> That's usually how it Maybe. works. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Nice. yep. Awesome. That's right. Well, we've been in this series called Seasons, and this is giving us permission to feel all of the feelings despite where we're at and trying to name the season that we're in, acknowledge it, and move towards God despite what that season might look like. So we talked about summer this past week, and to preface this, I wanted to ask you all if you have any, when, when we think about the season summer, what memories come up in your mind? This could be a time in your life. It could just be, man, like this season of my life, or it could be like one specific memory, like in summertime, this is, this is what I associate summer with. I'll go first. Okay, great. So we can <laughs> think. give you all some time to think. Uh, growing up, summertime always meant basketball practice in the morning. That was mm. it. That was my life for a long time. And then it was summer practice in the morning. And then usually we'd have games twice a week. We'd have uh, usually Wednesday, I think Tuesdays and Thursdays were our games. We'd practice with our high school team. And then in the middle of those times, it was just hanging out with the team. And that was always so mm. fun. We'd either go to the park and play more basketball, head and we'd get, um, there was a couple restaurants that was really close to our high school. So we'd like, after practice, I'll go eat together. So I had like three or four years of baked in memories of summertime just means like working out in the morning, going to eat, and then playing basketball again at night. And I loved it. It was so fun. Nice. Yeah. So that was summertime for me. Yeah. Jess? Um, 
I think that what I think of for summer is in elementary school age. Mm -hmm. um, we lived in San Jose in this area called Willow Glen. It was very family friendly. It still is. And um, you just always hung out with people. My next door neighbor had um, a pool. And then we had neighbors across the street that had a pool. And it was just the classic, like, going over to somebody's house, knocking on the door and saying, can so-and-so come out and play? And you just did whatever we had. Like, we had a really long driveway, so we would play, like, street hockey with the recycling bins back when they were, like, little crates. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. We had a game room at my house, so we had, like just a ton of like stuff to do and play with. We had a swing set and a huge lawn. We had a slip and slide. So just being outside, you talked about that a little bit in your sermon of just mm -hmm. being outside playing and having no responsibilities. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, when I was a little bit older, I, I worked a lot. So, mm. uh, like camps and, um, I was on a mountain bike team for a couple of years and like just, just jobs all the time. And so when there was that kind of, I don't remember a ton of my early childhood years, but, uh, there's that kind of window I talked a little bit about, uh, where I was probably like maybe mid middle school. And it was, yeah, like literally you have a bike. I, I was a latchkey kid. My parents both worked. And so it was like, go meet a buddy kind of when we both got up doing whatever and then we'd find change in our couches and ride to the convenience store and buy candy or we <laughs> there's like woods across the street we go play in the woods and i mean literally it was like go oh home gosh. when it's dark out that was so i i don't still to this day don't totally know like what did we eat like there are just questions yeah. i have now yeah. in hindsight but yeah yeah to your point like no responsibilities mm -hmm. i think it's you know anytime our kids will say dad i'm bored I always do the dad joke thing where I'm like, hey, just so you know, when you're an adult, yeah. boredom is the goal. Yeah. Like that's, we're all actually trying. If I sat down and like, oh man, I just don't even know what to do. I'd be like, oh, I, I did, did it. it. That would be amazing. And then you ascend so, into heaven. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> this is my moment. Yeah. Yeah. That was similar for me. Like I had to get a job when I was like 15. I worked mm -hmm. with my dad. So like summers for me in high school was working. Right. I did work at a day camp, which was really fun. But yeah, it's the like middle school and under. It was just... Yep. Key. Nice. Michelle, what about you? For me, I think um, I think of sense when I think of summer. Growing oh. up on Long Island, we would always go to the beach, you know, as many times a week as you can. And when I think of like a Long Island beach, I can smell copper tone sunscreen oh, yeah. and oh. fried food from the beach shack and the ocean all at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's fun. And so I love the beach. Long Island beaches are just absolutely beautiful. And so while I love living here in the Bay Area, what's really hard is that during the summer, it could be 80, 90 degrees where we live mm -hmm. and then the closer you go to the shore, it could be 60 degrees and cloudy. And yeah. That's really hard for me <laughs> during the summer. But yeah, I love, love the beach. Just love it. That first like smell of sunscreen, like even now as an adult, yeah, yeah. when it's like starting to get nice and you're like, I got to put sunscreen on and you like put on, and you smell it. You're like, oh. that's good. Copper tunnel gotcha. is a great reference to you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know exactly oh, what yeah. it is. I, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. takes you exactly where it's good. <laughs> That's really good. My dad is a big fisherman. 
and we would always go fishing from whenever I was little. And I remember having traumatic experience of my dad just rubbing sunscreen onto my face at like (laughs) four in the morning because we had to get up so early to go fishing. And so I still put on sunscreen that way. And Missy's like, why do you do that? I was like, I just, I don't know. It's just a habit at this point. Just keep it going. We're going to do a video tutorial of okay. you doing it, and then we'll do it of someone else how you're supposed yeah, to. Yeah. yeah, Missy's like, you should pat. I'm like, no, you're trying to get, get in there. Yeah, trying to get my second layer. You're trying to get sunscreen in your eyes, everybody. Yeah. Brought to you by Mark Morning. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, summer seemed light. It seemed fun. It mm. seemed like there was essence of freedom or um, not carelessness, but just. A, a lack of weight. And so, um, Phil, can you unpack what your take on summer was from this past Sunday? And uh, then we can dive in from there. Yeah. Well, and uh, we were hanging out with some folks last night, including Rochelle and Matt. Mm. And uh, I'm they so said, sorry. They <laughs> said, yeah, yeah. It's you endure it. Uh, they said that they find that, especially on the podcast, I speak too slow. So I'm really going to try and speed it up. Uh, <laughs> I think that is not what I said. That's sarcasm. <laughs> sarcasm. Uh, yeah. So we talked about, I mean, one of the things that's interesting in this series, anytime you do uh, what's called a textually thematic study, which is what we're doing right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's um, kind of two other layers we think about when we think about teaching through an idea. One, um, one would be called a biblical theology. So that would be, let's take everything that the Bible says about joy and like teach it. And so if we were going to do that, we would have bounced around to other passages and we would have tried to come up with a comprehensive understanding from the Bible incorporating New Testament, Old Testament frameworks for joy. We're not doing that on purpose. Uh, And then there's systematic theology, which is really even like bringing human reasoning into it and trying to put all those things together. Like how do they logically fit? So um, this kind of thematic textual version is really how do we let, how do, how do we let one text shine? Like, how do we say what one text says about it? And you want to do it responsibly, and that means you find a passage that is actually, hopefully, talking about the thing you want to talk about. <laughs> Otherwise, you're violating the text. Uh, it's a term called eisegesis, where we're speaking into the text rather than leading out of it, which is a term mm-hmm. called exegesis. Um, so I say all that to say uh, it was a you know, beautiful passage, and so really it was about um, trying to kind of give voice uh, to the original author, and we know a little bit of the circumstance. It's different than where we're headed this week with fall. We'll, we'll know less uh, about the circumstances or the occasion of the writing and the author. And so because of that, I think um, it just lets you step into a time where there's good news. Like there are things that are happening um, for Israel, for this author that are like, oh, we, we've had really hard days. We've had days where it's hard to trust God. We're not sure if it's going to show up. We know what those feel like, but like right now we're on the other side of a bunch of that and we're really thankful and we can trust God in the middle of it. And um, so I just tried to talk about this idea that that joy in us, especially in seasons of summer where it feels like, man, God pursuing you feels easy and life-giving and maybe even the circumstances of my life aren't perfect, but pursuing you is sort of coming naturally to me, Hmm. that that idea of joy is actually, it's supposed to be overflowing. And so then I created this contrast, uh, is that joy is meant to overflow, not overwhelm. And I think what we do is because we live in a highly consumptive culture, uh, we just throw off all of our boundaries. And so we're like, if good is good, then more good is more good. And at a certain point, like we have limits, God's given us limits on purpose. And so uh, what even in a season of summer should feel uh, 
overflowing can sometimes feel overwhelming. And we get that, I think, sometimes even in our, even in our culture, right? Like how many of us, uh, we could have had like an amazing summer, but instead of having an amazing summer with five things, we had a completely overwhelming summer with 20 things, right? Mm-hmm. Because we just threw off all of our boundaries. And so we talked about some of those examples in hopes of saying, Part of experiencing summer is making sure that with the Lord we actually have time, margin, and boundaries to genuinely experience it. Mm. Mm. I have a clarifying question. I think as I've been thinking of seasons and your seasons of life, I've been thinking it more of my circumstances. And so like if I'm in a season of summer, Mm. it's things are going well, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think the way you framed it was more of, we're talking about seasons in your relationship with God. And for Mm. me, I feel like it's almost opposite where if it's a season of summer and I'm like, things are going really well. Sometimes I don't think about like God as much and just like, don't think about like gratitude or if like things are really hard, I'm in a season of winter, but my relationship with God is stronger. And so it feels like my relationship with God is summer, but the season of life is winter. Hmm. I think that's great. I think that's a great distinction. Um, You know, what's interesting about the Psalms is we see examples where circumstances are good, bad, and indifferent. And we see in every one of those times where the psalmist is responding well and responding poorly. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think our circumstances do not always, often do not uh, dictate that sort of internal season with God, I think sometimes mm-hmm. they line up. Yeah. Um, but hopefully as we kind of mature in our pursuit of Jesus over time, like you're describing, there's a sense in which I can feel a warmth in my relationship with God, even though there's a coldness to my reality in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, like, I hope that's true of my life more and more yeah. as I, as I mature. But um, yeah, I, th- I think identifying the difference between kind of spiritual seasons, which is really where the, uh, focus of the series is, especially when we talk about a concept like joy, mm-hmm. which is really in, intentionally different than our circumstances. Um, but I think naming what circumstances you feel in your life is is important. It's a part of, of knowing how to how much energy do you need to put in to respond differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you started the message with I thought which it was a it was enough for me to chew on for the next twenty minutes, but I had to keep keep going with you, which was each season informs and invests in the next season. I know I made that up. Did you? Mm-hmm. I did. Wow. I, I made it up. Okay. I was, uh, I was thinking about it. I don't even remember. Cause I was like trying to, I, I wrote, I was on the road last week. And so I was, um, finalizing this talk, I think on an airplane, maybe, um, no, in a hotel room. <laughs> and, uh, and as I was working on it, I like clicked ship, you know, like, Hey, I, I'm done with it now. Mm-hmm. And I don't really have, time to work on it after that. But I was thinking for the rest of the week, like summer sometimes is hot, right? Like sometimes summer, you know, and then I thought about it in California, like fires and drought. And it's like, oh, why is that? Oh, because like spring wasn't really spring. Mm. And so then I was trying to think through um, this idea of like, hey, in our, in our journey and relationship with Jesus, if we don't actually experience each season, like we're meant to take something from each season. If we don't really let ourselves experience that season, we will not show up well in the subsequent seasons. And, um, you know, obviously right now I'm, I'm uh, simultaneously um, kind of walking through multiple things in my life. But one of those things is, is grieving the loss of my mom. And I could just bury that. Like I could just stuff it and not deal with it at all. Um, and, you know, 
it you're just you're just putting grief on layaway. Like it's coming back. It, and it's going to come back harder, but the thing that that the Lord is going to have me walk through in 6 months, I will show up to that more connected, more integrated, more abiding in Jesus if I do the work of beginning the process of grieving my mom now rather than just stuff it. And so just that idea of seasons to say every season is dependent on the previous season to mm. be effective and helpful to the environment around it. Wow. Yeah, there's something in there about entering well and exiting well. And it, I'm, I'm still thinking about your question. I thought it was super good. Of Thank you. The, the idea of external circumstances versus an internal perspective on what a season is and what informs that season. So I'm trying not to let that get in the in the way of all these other <laughs> questions that I have. But um, you also said that joy, so we talked a little bit about boundaries. Um, and we also in a little bit further on in your message is that um, there's an idea of newness, an idea of refreshing and how uh, you said that humans kind of crave this, this need for the next or the new. And so how can that help inform us as we're moving into our next season or out of a season? How can we be aware of that? And how can we just name that? And how can we use that to invest well into the next season or into the season that we're currently in? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's two things simultaneously happening. One is um, I, I think there's an appetite in all of us that's a God-given appetite that things that are old and stale, we're actually supposed to keep moving like there's there's a freshness like mm. a freshness in our pursuit of god a freshness in our life because ultimately ultimately we're made we're, we've been created in the image of an infinite god and so as image bearers of the infinite um i think this idea of old right even just that concept uh is so foreign to our image um and so like understanding this idea of eternal it doesn't mean that it's not old in the way we think of it. It means it's outside of time. And so I, th I think there's something helpful in just thinking about that. I, I also think that there's um, something really important for us to understand that like sitting in the moments that we're in, um, there's, there's an endurance that's necessary in the seasons that we pursue God that I think is pretty foreign to us, that we're in our culture, uh, seasons rather than being experienced they feel like they're supposed to be disposed of and so i think about um mm. when you were talking about that i was thinking about the concept of fast fashion uh which is essentially this this way because of globalization and um unethical labor practices around the world that you can walk into insert name brand clothing store and they have they have just tightened up, whereas before it was maybe two or three seasons over the course of an entire year that they were releasing product lines and you would buy that and it would last a certain amount of time. Now it's two or three times that number of seasons in any given store because they were trying to feed the consumer who was going more regularly. Mm. And the clothes are not meant to hold up. And so I think that sort of fast fashion of consumption assumption, that idea is like... It's everywhere, and I, th I think that there is uh, simultaneously a desire to say, hey, you have been built to feel this newness with God all the time, um, and <clears throat> while, it may not, while it may feel counterintuitive, it, it's, also, uh, it's also worth the investment to really show up, to really be in yeah. the moment. Consumption assumption sounds like a schoolhouse rock song. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's so funny. Oh, that's good. And then we, we talked a little bit more about um, 
three things that God does. God keeps his word. God executes justice for the oppressed. God gives food for the hungry. Uh, we're kind of big and lofty at this point, talking about big concepts and then uh, about seasons. And then we have this interjection of, but God. So how did those two tie in together? Yeah. I mean, I think when we, uh, when we follow the text, we follow an author's thought, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that, uh, for us, it's easy to think about, um, what we need right here, right now. And it was the same way for the psalmist to write, um, in this text. And so to be able to think through, Hey God, this is, this is the resume you have that makes it easy for me to trust you. Mm-hmm. And so I think we can and should, like it was designed this way. Uh, we should conceptualize some of these things, especially that one around hunger. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, uh, yeah, we all have a resume like this for God in our summertime. We go, God, here's what you did in my life. And if you've never spent time doing that, maybe you're not a journaler. Um, it, it would be helpful for you to go in the times and seasons of spiritual summer to write down where God has shown up and been faithful because winter is coming <laughs> and, you, <laughs> and you need to be able to look back and go, you know, when I don't know where I am, I still know whose I am. Mm-hmm. And I think remembering things like mm-hmm. this from Psalm 146 is helpful to do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite worship songs is old now, but it's Hosanna. And the last line of the song mm-hmm. is, um, this is my prayer in the harvest where favor and providence flow. I know I'm filled to be emptied again. The seed, mm. I, the seed I've received, I will sow. Yeah. And it's, you know, speaking to exactly that of like, we're full and flourishing in this season so that we can be prepared for when deprivation comes mm. or tragedy comes. And if we were going to spend time, like we're going to talk about abiding this next week in fall. Right. And, um, mm this principle of pruning, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it happens for future growth, but none of us want to be pruned, right? Like mm-hmm. we want another closet for more stuff. We want mm-hmm. another mm-hmm. shed for more things. We want, you know, like you could make a play on words, like we want to shed, but God wants us to shed like that. It's just this like regular <laughs> spiritual rhythm of saying like, Hey, what is it that I want to do next? And if you, yeah. uh, if you aren't, if you aren't aware that that's coming, it's going to surprise you every time, but it shouldn't. Did you just think of that shed thing right now? Yeah. That was really good. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we we just had that dilemma about pruning because supposedly, I don't know, if you take off the first little like buds of tomatoes, then it makes the tomato plant grow more tomatoes. Yes. But I'm just terrified to take off the first little no. ones because they're so cute. Sure. I don't know. Is that true? Uh, with plant, with, yeah, I mean, I have a black thumb in life, not a green one, oh, okay. but yeah. I have nice. read the that death. Yeah. In order, <laughs> I kill succulents, uh, in order to mm. produce more growth in vegetation. Yes. You have to cut. I follow Beth Moore on Instagram okay. and she's been, uh, through this journey of growing grapes in, mm. a vine- in you know, producing a vineyard. And last year she had to cut back all, we prune her yeah. vines. And this year she has beautiful grapes. Beth Moore, um, yeah. send me some grapes. They do that. <laughs> Beth Moore, friend of the show. Yeah. 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 What's up? Uh, Got a grape sponsor now. Sweet. <laughs> um, I remember Matt Stefan did a sermon when we did student ministries together about roses. And he had the same experience mm. of like, you have to cut, like you are chopping the roses off. Like mm. there is barely anything left at the end of the season. And he, I remember he said like the first year he had roses, he like just trimmed here and there at the end. And then it didn't produce more the next year. And someone was like, no, 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 you have to like 
cut off branches all the way down to the bottom. And he was like, like that, like terrified, like, what am I doing? I'm destroying this plant. Mm -hmm. And then it ended up producing the most beautiful flowers Mm. each year after that. And he was just like, you have to, you know, prune so much. It was, uh, yeah, it was a great. And this is my tension for this week because we'll be in a Psalm and it's beautiful, pumped about it. But John 15 is the metaphor we're talking about, Mm. about abiding. And, um, you know, we are the branches mm-hmm. and Jesus mm-hmm. is the vine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the father is the vine dresser. Mm-hmm. And this idea of like, apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and you know, for us, we're like nothing or just like not as much or I'll be really tired. And it's like, well, just connect the metaphor. Think about a vine, cut off a branch, set the branch next to it. How much more growth is that branch going to have? Like, right. oh, nothing. He's yeah. like, mm-hmm. That's the metaphor of you living life, mm-hmm. not connected to me. Mm. So. But that's the what we talked about at the beginning, this idea of like a thematic <laughs> passage reference of one particular verse or one particular pericope specific passage versus a biblical or systematic understanding. It's just different work, you know, mm. so trying mm-hmm. to hold to mm-hmm. the integrity of what we wanted the series to be. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting at the end of your message, you gave some great ways to be able to practically, you know, find yourself healthily in summer. But also you said that summer can kind of be inserted into different parts of your life, into different parts of your season. Maybe you're not experiencing a full summer season. However, there are times in which, man, this, you know, this moment or this day or this week, despite, you know, what informed it before and after, like this is summer. So I thought, I thought about microclimates when you're talking about that, how the Bay has microclimates. And I just thought that was really interesting way to approach looking at my life in seasons is a a season doesn't have to be a long four month thing. It can be a moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think especially when we've experienced uh, big change, um, big trauma, big pain. Mm. um, I think a lot of times you'll kind of dip back or forward into a season. Mm -hmm. And I think the Lord is gracious with us. Like, I think that there are times, uh, and I talked about this a little bit, uh, with the death of my mom, um, you know, th- there's been a couple days, and this is just not me. This has really never been me. Uh, my my dad passed away in 2018. Our relationship was quite different. Um, but there have been days where I like literally, I'm just in bed, mm-hmm. uh, which is very abnormal for me. And uh, Alyssa has been incredibly kind, very gracious, friend of the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, my wife. If you have no context for that. <laughs> Um, so kind to like, um, just, just be very, very merciful, um, in this season. Uh, but then there are days where it's like, oh man, I feel like I've got a spring in my step, Lord, you know, thank you so much that Mm. I get to kind of see this. One of those things, uh, that's been more difficult for me actually is writing Mm. in the last month or two. Uh, and then even like this last talk and this talk for this upcoming weekend, uh, it's been much easier again. Like things are flowing much easier and I'm trying not to take that for granted. Like that might not be next week. Like I'm still in a grieving process. It might be hard again. Um, but for this week, I'm really thankful and um, just trying to like live present in the moment. I don't ask myself a lot right now, like why I just try to kind of mm-hmm. be present in the thoughts and feelings that I have in the moment. Interesting. I think it's important. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for, sh- you know, your vulnerability mm-hmm. uh, through this whole process uh, that you're going through right now. I think it's important to recognize that, joy and grief are not mutually exclusive Mm, that we can't, you know, you talked about toxic positivity and I think, you know, 
it would be scary if you were just like, yeah, my mom died and I can move on because I have joined the Lord. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would be more worried for you yeah. if that was Well, and if case. you've been a Christian a long time, you know people like that. Yeah, done that. right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. But then I would also be worried if you didn't have the support system or mm. awareness and stayed in bed or sure. were constantly gloomy. And I think that's the gift of the Holy Spirit and that's the gift of church and community is that we can... Um, be in our grief and sit in it and say like, these are the things that I miss. These are the things that are hard, but I have hope in Jesus and I can, um, you know, move forward with grace and love and assurance that God is my joy and, um, to make it through the day. One to, to, to do another like throwback song. Remember that song trading my sorrows? Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do all that early 2000s, Talk about right? Mm-hmm. Toxic positivity. Pressed, but not crushed. <laughs> persecuted mm-hmm. not destroyed like that's a uh th- those are those are passages that that song sort of overly simplifies but yes. uh there are words from the apostle paul who's saying like <clears throat> even though like I, I can still have hope in the middle of this right yeah. it's heavy hope like mm-hmm. it's heavy. it's hope that has a weight to it um but you know when i when i think about like romans 5 where it talks about suffering produce ultimately producing endurance and hope uh, the way i preach that text is i'll say um hope that helps hurts to get and I think the mm. best summer times are after the hardest winters, you know, that mm. for us, like where we've really experienced the weight and pain of life, mm. then when we get to the other side of it, it's why there's something beautiful and innocent about my four-year-old having a good day and something profound about like us as a whole family or me watching in someone that I really care about that I know who's had like a really difficult season having a great day or a great experience with God. Or uh, for me, I love even in like gathered worship settings to be mm-hmm. able to just like, I know, I know people's stories. And so mm-hmm. as I kind of look out and I see like that person is walking with some weight or maybe even walking with a limp. And yet I can see how uh, much that's drawn them closer to God in the season. So yeah. that's great. Well, Jess, Rochelle, anything that popped into your minds as you were listening to this message? Yeah, I think you wrote this sermon for me. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, a big thing that I like really latched onto um, was you said joy can be making, sorry, joy can be thanking God in advance for how he's going to show up. Mm. And you like talked about using the word must, like you must do this, you must do that and how we have to drop that. And mm-hmm. if you've listened to the show at all, you know, my story of still being single and in my late thirties and how much of a struggle that is. And that's something that I'm constantly like, asking God for and looking, looking forward to and hoping for and praying for. Um, but I don't know if I've ever thanked God for what is to come. Mm-hmm. And that just like really struck me. And I was like, hmm. Oh, okay. Well, there's a new thing we're going to start trying here. <laughs> and um, I think we talked about this, like back in January, my year for the word has been gratitude because I think I've, learned there's so much in my life that I have to be thankful for. Um, and just what does that look like? And, you know, writing, trying to remember or trying to write things daily, which I haven't done lately of like, what are these things that you're grateful for? And, um, I think that's like my next big thing to kind of lash onto is like, be thankful for what is to come and what the future could hold. And I hope, and I believe that that will help me have that hope and that trust that God will provide these things that I have mm. desires for that he's given me for. Yeah. So thank you really. Of course. I appreciate you sharing that. And I think, 
you know, we take passages like rejoice in the Lord always, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. And we manipulate those verses um, Mm -hmm. to mean God will give me what I want. Uh, Mm -hmm. But what that, what that verse actually means is God will give me my wants. He will replace my desires. And uh, I think that's, that's at the heart of it for lots of us, right? Like we have at the core of all of our desires are like really good God-given desires, right? Every temptation and every sin is just a misdirected desire that God has given us, right? And so a lot of mm. times it's just the internal soul excavation to say, God, this this dysfunction, this addiction, this unhealthy thing over here, like um, what's underneath that? Like what is it that you actually want me to pursue? Mm. And then, yeah, God, like, hey, you've built me for relationship. You've built me for community. So God, I want to thank you for what that looks like today. And I want to thank you in advance for what you're going to do with it. Because you've, you've built that community desire inside mm-hmm. of me. And maybe that's going to look like this kind of relationship. Maybe it's going to look like this kind of, but look, God, there's no preconditions on that. And, um, you know, I think obviously I, I appreciate you, um, being, being really honest. I, I think for, for me, to be honest, like one of those areas right now is we left Colorado where I had like super deep uh, great relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then coming to a place where, um, it, yeah, you're, you're starting over and, um, and, and the work of doing that just, it takes time and it's not going to look the same as mm-hmm. it did in Colorado. And there's a grief process to yeah. that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. Rochelle, anything come up for you? Um, you asked, uh, in the message, you know, from the passage, Psalm 146 about being a sojourner. When was the last time we were sojourner? Mm. Um, but later on in the text, it talks about also the Lord sets the prisoners free. And so I would just love, you know, I don't know if anybody wants the answer now, or if we want to think about it later, like what is something that we need to be set free from in order to experience real joy from God? What is something that is, you know, keeping me a prisoner of myself and not allowing uh, being allowed to have deep rooted joy in Jesus, whether it's anxiety or depression or deep grief or addiction, uh, whatever that looks like. Um, and I just pray and hope that for anyone listening, they would be set free, um, and find true joy in Jesus. Happiness is not necessarily joy. Joy is rooted in who Christ is. Um, happiness is a feeling that can come and go. But when we have joy, we know that um, we can survive, we can thrive and flourish um, in life. Mm. That was just something that I was, I've been thinking about. Yeah, and, and I, th- I think that's a great observation. I think that even when you think about it in the context of the psalmist's worldview, you know, there was this... Um, rhythm for the people of God every 50 years that without a doubt, as the psalmist is writing this, is in their mind, uh, which is the year of Jubilee, mm. which actually uh, most Jewish scholars believe Israel never practiced. Uh, <laughs> like it was supposed, but I mean, there's good reason for it. Like they were supposed to return all the land back. They were supposed to free all the slaves. Mm-hmm. Like there were, there were yeah. these things that were like, <laughs> like you want us you, to do what? You sure? Like reset the economy? Is that what we're really doing? But as they are rebuilding Jerusalem and really returning back to a vision that frankly they thought they had abandoned forever, like they would never get back. Um, there's this, I think, probably beautiful picture, right? Of like set all the captives free. Mm-hmm. And this summertime, you think about what that would feel like in the season, right? Like just 
oh my goodness, like everybody's getting grace. Like there's another opportunity for life. Um, and, I, and I do think that that is, even for you seasonally, if you feel this kind of summer connection to God, to your point, if, if there are things that are still kind of holding you captive, that's that's more than positive willpower. That's probably, um, you know, pastoral support. That's maybe a counselor, spiritual director. Like there's, you're not, you're not going to get free because of power of positive thinking. If mm-hmm. that was going to get you out of it, it would have already done it. Right. Um, but I think uh, I've talked about this a little bit before. One of those areas for me for a long time in ministry, and I didn't even necessarily know it, was people's approval. And mm-hmm. uh, it's not really my core worldview. I don't think of myself as somebody that's it's really built for that. Uh, but in COVID, it all went away. In COVID, as a pastor who spoke regularly, especially someone who said, we're going to view our politics through the lens of our faith rather than our faith through the lens of our politics over and over and over again. And then you start getting hate mail and threats and silly stuff happening all over the place. You realize like, oh, um, faithfulness to what God's calling me to do and say right now and people's approval. It feels like for the most part, I'm going to have to pick one of those. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there was a part of me that had to die to the approval of people in that season Mm -hmm. that I think that's a good reminder for me to go like, don't run back to it. Like, mm-hmm. like it still has to, mm-hmm. it still has to be surrendered. And I know it's part of your personality challenge as well. Do you feel like, is that true? You think? <laughs> <laughs> do you find that internally as well? Or do you think that's more of just an external, like when you, I, I think the heart of my question is how can I realize what I'm struggling with and how can I choose mm-hmm. to not give into that, but to then say, Hey, you know, I'm dealing with, for your example, I'm dealing with the approval of others. How can someone name that in their life? And how can then they say, you know what? I need to, uh, in your words, choose to see past our circumstances, see God to insert, you know, a solution into that, uh, that problem. Well, I I think, um, I think a lot of that is, uh, oftentimes the voice of God in our life sounds like the voice of followers of God, right? So who are our, Mm -hmm. who are our meaningful Mm -hmm. community people? people that um, love us and care about us. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to talk about these four S's this upcoming week, seen, safe, secure, and soothed. Uh, Do we have people in our life that um, like are actually the kinds of people who we have relationship with? They know us, we know them, and they can sort of call some of that stuff out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I, I just think that living at a pace where we can actually hear and respond to the voice of God in our life. Uh, and I think uh, I can be guilty of running at a pace that's too fast for that. And so I have some sort of checks in my own life to go, whoa, whoa, this is an indicator that I'm going too fast. I need to slow down. Um, because just like anybody else, my time with Jesus every day can become rote. It can become a check. Mm-hmm. Um, and so w- what are some of the ways? There's a book, old, old book called Ordering Your Private World by Gordon McDonald. Gordon McDonald, and uh, he talks about what are the external evidences of the inward condition of your soul. And I think if you don't have some of that worked out, they're different for all of us, but knowing what some of those are and going, whoa, I need to slow down. And then we plugged um, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Like Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of us, speed, being able to see something and being able to go too fast, uh, those are two choices we're going to have to make. Like we're either going to go too fast or we're going to see ourselves more clearly. And mm. so uh, slowing down is often a prerequisite, at least in my experience. What do you think, Rochelle? <laughs> I agree. I would say become noticers um, in each other's lives. You know, you talked mm-hmm. a lot about we mm-hmm. are we live in a consumer culture. 
And I feel like with social media, while I appreciate the opportunity to have the podcast on YouTube or our social media accounts, I think we've become a culture who wants to perform constantly Mm -hmm. and we're just looking at appearances rather than the heart. And Mm -hmm. so like being, Mm -hmm. like you said, like having a good community of friends around you and then just self-awareness, you know, um, seeking the Holy spirit in your life to bring these things to light. Um, but noticing people's hearts, noticing their, what drives them rather than just like Mm -hmm. practically what appears to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we see that side view mirror on cars and it says objects, um, are closer, closer than they appear yeah. or whatever. Um, I think there should be something like that over every social media post that says memories are being distorted for the performative benefit of the poster, right? Like we know <laughs> it's always a highlight reel. Mm-hmm. It's, there's always a performative aspect to it. I've heard social media described as, uh, an open sewer. Mm-hmm. And so like, yes, there are good things in there. Like mm-hmm. somebody dropped something into their toilet that they shouldn't have, but you're still in sewage. <laughs> and so I just think to your point, like under, understanding that nuance mm-hmm. in our own experience and life and um, yeah, just looking for the stuff in our own life that isn't just the things that are postable, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too, like if you're like me and, and when Phil was talking about money and you felt this like mm-hmm. tightness in your chest. That might mean that you need to think a little bit more about maybe there's something there that you need to mm-hmm. to work on a little bit. So also just being in tune to the spirit and like what is moving in you that maybe you should take a deeper look at. That's great. Just, I don't know, as an example, maybe somebody felt that. <laughs> yeah. You mean when I said that we asked the question, God, how much of my money do I want? And really the question is, God, how much of your money mm-hmm. do you want back? Because it's all his. Yeah. Right? No, that didn't strike me. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart actually is, not where you say it is. Yeah, that, that yep. hurts all of us, right? That's, yeah. oof, those are, yeah. those are always challenging words. Yeah. Well, Phil, any other, any other pardon, part, part, I did, I did the same thing thoughts. last time. Yeah. Pardon, <laughs> any other thoughts you'd like to thoughts? leave us with? <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we just want to, especially as we make the turn into the next couple of weeks, which are going to be heavier. Um. I think I just want to keep reiterating no season is the ideal. Mm-hmm. All seasons are dependent on experiencing previous seasons well. And so um, if you're in a season of summertime in your faith, I think sometimes we can feel um, like a codependency with other people in our life who have mm-hmm. other seasons. Mm-hmm. We go, oh my goodness, I don't want to tell you about the richness of my pursuit of God right now or how close yeah. I feel to him. Because yeah. like your life seems pretty terrible right now, you know, um, mm-hmm. or it's, you know, mm-hmm. somebody that's maybe even in the process in their own journey of like wondering who is God? Do I even believe this anymore? I, I just think it's easy for us to, sort of hide ours, but, um, to your, I think microclimates is a great parallel, right? If, if our relationships represent a bunch of microclimates, how beautiful, how beautiful when you are sitting somewhere and all of a sudden the sun breaks through mm. and you don't have to, uh, you, you don't have to be domineering in a conversation, but like the hope that God has in you may give hope for that person going through winter in their life mm-hmm. that summer mm-hmm. is around the corner for them, that there can be something yeah. uh, that comes next. And so I think all of us recognizing that each season is God given 
And if you've been somebody that's never had summer, I promise you, you have had summer. Mm-hmm. You've just missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in mm-hmm. the next couple of time, next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about fall and winter. And if you're somebody that's like, oh, you know, just, just too blessed to be stressed. I've never experienced any of this stuff. <laughs> yes, you have. Uh, I promise you have. You, you just need to tune into it and understand that there's a, there's a weightiness to your faith that God wants to deliver. He wants to give you something even stronger. The greatest trees, right, are trees that the roots have actually gone down deeper. It's hard to tell up top, but the roots go down deeper. And then when wind hits, they can actually grow. One of the reasons that so many trees have knocked over this year in Northern California is because we didn't have extreme weather like this for so long. And so the root systems were not built out to withstand the wind the way that it happened. But if you actually watch uh, the root systems of a tree, they'll they'll grow and intensify and get deeper uh, and withstand greater storms in the future. Your summer will be better if you actually let God walk you through fall, winter, and spring. So that's good. It's my, I, I mean, I, I know everything that I know about agriculture, I just communicated. So <laughs> I, I'm saying that to, to Mark, who understands, he's like, you idiot. That's, that's so good. reductionistic and simplistic. But It works. I like it. Rochelle, anything else? Um, I just would like to mention that there is a sermon-based study guide on our Menlo app. Mm -hmm. Um, In preparation for this podcast, I was going over it a little bit. So if you feel like Mm -hmm. you're somebody who wants to go even deeper into the message or understand it more, there's um, really great resources available Mm -hmm. um, with um, scripture and how to apply it to your life and prayer. I think that's great. Menlo.church slash seasons. Check it out. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Whenever you're listening to this, Phil, Rochelle, thank you so much for being on here. Jess, thanks for sharing. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Hi, Jess. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) That was awkward ending.